podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. At Discount Tire, we know your time is valuable. Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online. Did you know Discount Tire now sells wiper blades? Check out our current deals at DiscountTire.com or stop in and talk to an associate today. Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct to Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Celtic State of Mind, I'm Paul John Dykes and tonight I'm joined once again by Laura Bradburn It's Celtic 3, Wraith Rovers nil. Celtic progress Laura into the semi-final of the League Cup The draw, in actual fact, will probably take place whilst we are on here and whilst we're live so I don't know if you're able to keep your eyes on Twitter or if somebody out there can tell us who we get it will either be Hibs, The Holder, St Johnston or Rangers looking at that performance tonight Laura uh, what will Ange have learned from his team? Um, It's a strange one because there's not often you can come away from a, a a 3-0 victory and say that there's not much to have learned from it but I, I, I genuinely believe that the, the standard of the opposition that we were playing tonight was of such a level that you know we we did the job we killed the game off with the three goals the, the third goal in particular from David Turnbull in the second half really put paid to any kind of intensity still being in place in the second half um, having said that you know we expected to beat Livingston at the weekend and we didn't, so we can only be thankful that, you know, we were expected to beat Wraith Rovers and we did um at the end of the at the end of the day. Um I thought performance wise, you know, Jota had a great game, Ralston had another good game, Montgomery was for me probably the standout of, of the, the entire ninety minutes. I had to given him the man of the match. But uh, 
but yeah, no, I I thought it was um pretty run of the mill, but that's what you have to expect sometimes when you're um when you're playing against a team from a lower division, you've just got to get the job done on nights like that. Yeah, and we've been saying it all week, Laura. You've just got to get the result. That's more important than anything else. Um, is the result. And yes, you can then improve on the performances thereafter and the entertaining side of it. But there was uh, there was certainly plenty of entertaining football along with that. David Boyle comes in. He is making the first point of the evening. Welcome to the show, David. Scales over Bolingoli every time. Beaton looks a different player in midfield. What happens to Johnston? Is he injured again? Three points coming through from David. You're watching on YouTube, David. Anybody else out there who's watching on YouTube, if you want to comment, then get yourself some subscribed to the YouTube channel and you'll also be thrown in to the free prize draws. Laura, I've been chucking uh, prizes out during the week this week. I think that's the best way to go. We'll start off with Liam Scales. He's made his debut. I think he looked very assured. Um, He certainly didn't look out of place in any way, shape or form, which was our fear, I guess, taking into account, though, that he is playing against uh, second-tier opposition, of course. But he did look confident when he came on, didn't he? Uh, skills is this we're talking about, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I thought he was... I, I think the thing that stood out for me with him was that he's, he's sort of calmness on the ball. He seems mm-hmm. to be able to play a pass. He seems to be able to put his foot on the ball. And um, I think he looked very assured. Um, and that's not something we, we've been able to say, particularly with players of ours that have played at the back. We talked about Starfelt in the first half who who looks the exact opposite of that on the ball so to know we've got skills there who we can rely on to play a pass uh, is a really great thing and and he, he wasn't shy of uh, looking for the ball either he was he was asking for it and looked um very kind of up for it i thought um i didn't really know what to make of him i hadn't seen much of him before we before the game tonight but certainly on first viewing and taking into account that it's obviously Wraith Rovers we've been playing against, um, he, he did look uh, like the genuine article, and uh, and uh, we can only wait and see what happens against tougher opposition. But you know, the, the start he's made is an encouraging one. It is now. I know that um, there will be calls for him to get a game over, you know, Starfield, for example, and that's exactly what Scott. Uh, Brotherton is coming in. Hopefully you're not shouting at us, Scott. <laughs> Scales should start in front of Starfelt. Maybe a wee bit premature to say that, but this is going to lead us in to a discussion on Starfelt. I mean, we spoke in the halftime break, Laura, about the fact that he didn't look comfortable in the first five, ten minutes. He didn't look mm-hmm. comfortable um, when he has to uh, widen his passing range. There was a moment in the second half where he's passed the ball to McCarthy, who's shouting at him to spread it wide to Yotta. And McCarthy gives him it back and tells him, give it to Yota. And he passes it back for a second time to McCarthy. I mean, I do have concerns about his, his range of passing. And I think at his age, I don't think that is something you can coach a player. Um, that's my only concern. I know that we've got Julian coming back. I know that, you know, Scales, as Scott said there, can play on the left-hand side of the defence. I don't think it shows up in games like tonight against Wraith Rovers but when you're playing in the Europa League when you're playing in important league games that's when I think there's a concern and there still is a concern there with Starfield Yeah I think so Um, it's going to be a particular concern if in situations like the one you described with McCarthy he's not even listening to his teammates 
or perhaps even more concerning, he is listening, but he's not able to do what they're asking him to do. So um, I'm not entirely sure how you can, as a professional footballer, get to the the aging stage that he's at and and struggle with passing as much as he seems to. Uh, um, And I think think that he... It's a confidence thing as much as anything else, but I think, you know, you can be too... You can be too sort of forgiven when you say it's a confidence thing because there's an implication there that you, that it's going to improve when he settles more into the team. I, I don't think there's a lot of things that can be affected by confidence, but I don't think a, a lasting issue with his passing, the, the likes of which we're seeing just now, is something that you can just put down to confidence. I think it's a real um, sort of technical lack in, in his game and mm. uh, it's something that he's going to need to improve on very very quickly if he if he can at all because the way Ange wants to play football uh, I think that it would actually be enough to drop him out of the team you know there are a lot of players who in a defensive sense are not the most technically gifted but get away with that because they offer so much defensively I think an Ange Postacoglu team from what I've seen he's going to demand that technical ability from his defenders as well and regardless of how good or not Starfelt might be in the tackle or header in the ball which to be honest I've not seen anything to say he's outstanding at those either um, I, I, I could see him getting dropped especially when you see somebody like Scales come in and look so assured yeah, on the ball, so confident. I think it's a fundamental to Angie's style of play, Laura, that when you get that ball, no matter who you are in the park, goalkeeper included, you need to be comfortable on the ball. I mean, Carter Vickers, uh, to the contrary, is so comfortable on the ball. You know, he just slows the whole thing down. He doesn't seem laboured whatsoever, but there is still a concern there. And it is only at this stage of concern. I mean, I'm not writing him off. We've spent big money on him. He's a Swedish internationalist. And uh, I would expect him to continue to um, develop into that style of play. But as you say, if you don't have the fundamentals in terms of the passing, and not just that, it's the, it's the tempo. A lot of the time, you look at a lot of the play, particularly going forward, it's one and two touch. And it seems as though it's very laboured. Um, Scales, on the other hand, is getting a lot of positivity coming through in the comments section. Sam Malcolmson comes in to say that he looks promising. Uh, John McVeigh reckons that scale, Scales looks well balanced and chill. Hill also likes the look of him. There's a lot of good promising comments coming through about scales. And I think that's why I maybe suggested earlier on tonight is that type of night where you want to give him some game time. Were you disappointed that Yakimakis didn't get an appearance? I really don't understand that one, to be honest. I mean, we, we talked about it before, um, before the second half that we were looking to see at least half an hour from him when David Turnbull comes out and scores that goal at the start of the second half and really kills off the game. I was thinking to myself, right, this is a perfect opportunity to get Yakimakis on. Um, I find it even more baffling considering what we ended up doing was playing Jota through the middle, which isn't his preferred position. It's not a position that he looks like he's going to be playing with any regularity going forward. So I don't know what, what Ange was hoping to learn from that. Yakimakis is only going to get up to match fitness by getting game time. And if he's not getting that game time already, I don't know when he's going to get it. Because, you know, we're, we're talking about Kyogo being out for a month or whatever. That was a couple of weeks ago that he got that injury. He's already mm. two weeks the line to, down the line to being back. 
And if I was Yakimakis, I would have been thinking to myself, right, this is a month for me to, to state my place before he's back. It looks as if by the time uh, Yakimakis gets his chance, he'll go nearly be back to, to being able to be selected. So, yeah, I don't really understand why we didn't see him tonight. I, I don't really understand what the thinking is behind that. And it frustrates me even more from the point of view if, if Ange comes out in the post-match and says, well, he's still not ready, well, then he shouldn't have been on the bench. I think if he's on the bench, he should be available for selection. And that being the case, I, I would have really loved to have seen him tonight. Um, not just from the Jota point of view, but also from the fact that a Yeti uh, provided so little. You know, you could have just made a straight swap for a Yeti and it would have been a totally understandable position and it would have been able to give Georgios um, Yakimakis a chance to make his debut in about as unpressured a situation he'll have in a Celtic shirt. And I think that's where um, I, I just fail to understand the decision if I'm totally honest Yeah, I, I agree with all of that to be to be completely fair, 3 um, nothing just after the uh, the break and I've got to say bit of credit to Ayeti for winning the ball and, and releasing David Turnbull but it wasn't his best game, he's gone down in the box um, there was a penalty shout, couple of nibbles you think it was uh, a penalty or not? Not for me, and, and I only say that because um, I thought the defender looked as if, A, he wasn't really trying to foul him. He was trying to get in between um, a Yeti and the ball, and he got his own feet tangled. But if I'd have been a Yeti, having had the chance to see it back, obviously, I'd have seen a situation there where the defender's got his, his legs tangled, he's fallen over, he's in no position to be able to try and... Um, keep blocking you or, or get the ball away in any sense. All he had to do was perhaps run round him. The ball was still rolling out in his direction and he had a chance through on goal. So for him to then throw himself down off the back of that to try and claim the penalty, I don't really understand. But um, I mean, I guess you, you've got to do what you think right in the moment. But for me, it wasn't a penalty. And I think if I'm a Yeti, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to handle that in a slightly different manner. Yeah, absolutely. Now, you mentioned Yota, uh, and I think he was far more effective down the left-hand side. There's a point coming in from Brian Walsh. Um, we'll remember a, a fantastic uh, passage of play whereby Yota's moved to set up Rogic with the wrong, a wrong along the byline is exactly what we needed to see last Sunday, something uh, where a player's basically taking the game by the scruff of the neck, taking out a couple of their defenders was tremendous footwork and creating a chance out of nothing. Laura, and that's how to beat a packed defence. We do have the creativity. We've got a badder who can beat a man, Yota. You know, Kyogo can do it. It's frustrating with that in mind that we can't often break down these packed defences. Yeah, it's a strange one because it, I think the manner in which we play sometimes would suggest that it should be very easy for us to break down these defences. But what we seem to be doing sometimes is is trying to pass the ball about the box and look for the little runs uh, inside the channels. And and these defences are playing so deep against us that you can't pass beyond them a lot of the time. You do have to go around them on the wide uh, the, the wide flanks. And it, it is frustrating when you're playing against teams like that. But at the end of the day, you're, you're playing for Celtic against teams who are going to bank themselves in and you need to be able to... to find a way around that I think this I think going centrally tonight um, you know was we were struggling because there were so many bodies in the defence but um, 
I think if we're going to go wide, as I said in the first half, we need better delivery in that case because, you know, we were getting a lot of joy in terms of getting the ball out to Ralston in the first half, but his crossing wasn't great. Juranovic, to be fair, came on and his crossing wasn't much better either. So I think we're going to have to have a situation where go through the middle when we can do, but if we're going to have to go out wide to to get past these packed defences, we have to improve our delivery because... these these balls getting hit over the top of strikers and, and over the top of defenders running into the box is obviously going to provide nothing for us and it's it's frustrating to watch because you see a good chance go awry just because one player's overhit pass and it, it's it can, you know, really suck the joy out of, of the attacking football that we've been playing so far. Now, Sean F comes in, Laura, to say doesn't instill me with much confidence. It seems we are lacking creativity and energy. We're looking quite lacklustre. I don't think tonight's performance required Celtic to get out of second or third gear, to be honest with you. And after the sending off, it's almost as if it descended into almost like a a bounce game, almost like a training match. And that's understandable. Um, But I think Sean's point is, a, is a, a relevant one because there's going to be other nights where we're playing a team not necessarily a league below us but maybe in the lower reaches of the, the division Laura and it's going to be tough to break them down it's going to be nothing each and that's when you start worrying about the lack of tempo and the lack of creativity um, is this just down to all of the uh, factors we've mentioned previously, Angie's new style, a whole clutch of new players trying to blend, or do you think it's a wee bit more worrying than that? Listen, I I was worried on, on Sunday because we looked for the entire 90 minutes the way that we looked tonight. I think we've got to take encouragement from tonight that we went out, got the job done, killed the game off. I... I I don't particularly see any problem with reducing the intensity once the game is won. And I think Mm -hmm. that was all it was tonight. I think we've got to be sensible. We've got a long season ahead of us, hopefully with a lot of matches. And I don't think there's a necessity to go gung-ho for five or six every single game just because we've got the opportunity to. I understand the, the commenter's point that, you know, it wasn't a fantastic second half after the third goal went in. And you could argue that based on previous performances, it's a sign that we are a bit lacklustre. But I think on taking tonight in isolation, I think it was basically a case of job done and and no need to push ourselves beyond that second or third gear. Um, and to be honest, if we were doing that every week, if we were getting 3-0 up and then spending the last 20 minutes just seeing the game out, I would be more than happy with that. Yeah, absolutely. It was also great to hear the crowd singing the old Henrik Larson songs as well, Laura, turning 50 this year. And of course, our very own Kevin Graham has written a book, a tribute to Henrik Larson, with a difference because it's 50 poems on the King of Kings. So uh, look out for that. That will be coming out. A lot of people have been getting in touch. It's going to be available via axom.net. We will announce it on the podcast and the social media uh, very, very soon. Here's an interesting one coming in from Paul Campbell. Now, I've had to be thinking about this before bringing it up. Like to look at Monty again, uh, have we finally found a successor to KT? And I think initially, whenever you see the name of Kieran Tierney coming in, he's not comparing him to, to Kieran Tierney. Paul, what Paul's saying, I think, and because I would agree with this side of it, we've never really 
As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Replaced Kieran Tierney in terms of a, a left back that you're 100% happy with, one that's going to be there for years to come. And, uh, you know, who have we brought in since Tierney broke into the side? We brought back Emilio Izagiri, didn't we? We've brought in Greg Taylor. Um, there's been a few others. Ball and Golly, of course, came in, didn't work out there. It's a bit early to say, but uh, a couple of weeks back, Laura, what I did say about Montgomery is he had never let us down. I think he's played something like 12 or 13 games for the first team, a few starts, and he definitely looked promising tonight, and particularly so when they switched him further up the park. Yeah, well, that was one thing I was going to say was uh, I get the point that, that that Paul is making in terms of the next, the next KT could be in relation to a lot of things. It could be because he's a left-sided player. It could just be sort of the next kind of talismanic young player uh, for Celtic coming forward um, in Montgomery. I think he offers a little bit more in terms of his flexibility and what he can offer to the team in general. Tierney was very much and remains very much a left-back or a left-wing-back who can occasionally support the attack but is in the main a defender. Whereas I think Montgomery can do that job but also seems to be available. You know, we saw when Scales came on that he moved further up the park. So I think there's a bit more flexibility to his game. Um, but I think, like you say, there's there's we can't complain if he comes in and doesn't put a foot wrong and I don't think he has done so far. Not every single one of these um, performances have been sparkling, but I can't think of a single instance where he's been to blame for any certain goal or he's had a particularly poor performance. I think he's been pretty consistent with a few really excellent performances put in there. And I think for a guy of his age and stage, I think that's probably the best you can ask for. And I, I certainly, as I said, uh, sort of at halftime and before the game, when your other options are Ball and Golly or Greg Taylor at left back, for me, I, I, I don't see any reason why Montgomery isn't first choice going forward. Well, I said, you know, was it too bold to suggest that Ralston and Monte are the, the two first choices in terms of the fullbacks? What I was also impressed with, though, Laura, is the way that uh, Ralston was able to link up with Juranovic and then on the left hand side, Scales when he came on was linking up pretty well with Montgomery as well. So it does give us the options whereby Juranovic, who is a natural right back, can play further up the park. Monty can get pushed up. We were talking before the game about options. Liam Scales isn't just an option at centre-half, but at left-back as well. Yeah, I mean, I think that it's very easy when you when you look at him come onto the pitch with Liam Scales to see his stature and see how tall he is and how broad-shouldered he is to think that he's a perfect centre-half and that. I think he probably is. I think he said himself, actually, that he does prefer to play in that position. But you've got to admit, when you see how well he plays the ball and how willing he is to get forward and and that kind of thing, and looks as if he might even have a little bit of pace on him, he's going to be a good left-back as well. He, he certainly showed a few times at Shamrock Rovers that he could play there. So... You know, given the shortage we have in terms of numbers in the squad, you need players who are equally adept at playing a few different positions. So if Scales is available to play either at left-back or centre-back, then 
you've got to applaud that and say that that's something that we can use going forward, especially when, as we've said before, uh, options are limited in those areas. I, I personally would prefer to see him perhaps play at centre-back. Uh, I think him and Carter Vickers look like a really calm, um, sort of imposing pairing, much more so than Starfelt. Um, I understand that that probably won't be the the option that happens going forward. I would imagine if the board have anything to say about it, we can't have a four and a half million pound sign in sitting on the bench. But um, you know, if if it was to be my preferred option, I would like to see Scales and and Carter Vickers at centre half. But yeah, it looks equally adept at centre half and left back, which is great to see. Yes, it's brilliant to see. There's a couple of really interesting points coming in. Thanks, everybody, for getting involved. I know that uh, often the post-match, Laura, is at its height and busy, busiest when people are venting their frustration and anger after a poor result. And uh, tonight, even after beating championship side, Wraith Rovers were live to over a 1,000 uh, viewers. So thank you for joining us on all the various social media channels. And uh, we've got... Uh, I've got to bring these up. That's how bad my eyesight is, Laura. I've got to bring them up onto the big screen before I can read them. Uh, do not gift sub me on Twitch. I think this is maybe aimed at you, Laura. The new mixed day has numerous misplaced passes, but that does not get the same attention as if Sorrow or Starfelt do it. Now, I'll start off this one, Laura, because I think, firstly, what we would need to say is that if you look at the amount of passes that uh, Turnbull makes then uh, I'm pretty sure his percentage of misplaced passes would still be pretty low. If Starfelt makes a misplaced pass at the back, it's going to be heightened by the fact that he's perhaps putting us under pressure. Um, and look, come on, about Sorrow, he loses possession a hell of a lot. I've said in the past, and it was good to see Turnbull completing um, the match on his 50th appearance for Celtic, scoring his 15th goal, which is a decent return from midfield. You know, if you think about the fact that Callum McGregor, uh, regularly plays 50 games in a season if a midfielder was to give you 15 goals in 50 games in a season you'd be raving about that because I think most midfielders are going for double figures um, I don't know if it's a problem his ball retention seems to be very good until he maybe tires in the last third of the game what's your thoughts on that Laura? Yeah, I mean to, to take up the point um, do not gift sub me will not be getting a gift sub from me that's for sure but um... Uh, listen, I think Sorrow for a start, I don't think most of the criticism of Sorrow has actually been about his passing. It's not been great, but I think most people's criticism of Sorrow is the kind of bull in a china shop way that he goes about doing his tackling and and, uh, and getting booked and that kind of thing and, and, and you know, sort of running about like a headless chicken uh, running into tackles in a kind of reckless way so um, Sorrow I don't think is being criticised for passing as much as Starfelt Starfelt like you say the reason his passing gets more attention is because just naturally being a defender a bad pass from him puts us under more pressure than if Turnbull did it um, but you know I, I said it before the game I said it at half time I love David Turnbull. I think he's one of the best players that we have on his best day. But I'm not beyond criticising him. And when he has poor games, I think he deserves to be called out for it. Having said that, I would take a David Turnbull who puts a few misplaced passes around the park if he's going to pop up with goals like the one that he did tonight. You know, at the end of the day, he's, he's contributed more positively than he has negatively. And I think he... um. 
I think he deserves praise for when he does that. I think the disadvantage we have sometimes on the podcast that is, you know, we can say things slightly in jest and we can say things when we're slightly inebriated, as I might have been when I said about McStay and Turnbull. <laughs> uh, certain things that, you know, if you said it in a pub amongst your friends, you wouldn't be held to that standard six months later. But here we are live in front of over a thousand people and quite rightly you're going to be held up for everything you do or don't say no matter how stupid it comes out. Listen, Paul McStay is an all-time Celtic great. David Turnbull is nowhere near that and never will be. But, uh, you know, he shows some traits that are similar to McStay and I think that's the point I was trying to make. He's got that classy midfield touch that I think on his best day can be really um, sort of lethal for Celtic and I love to see it when it does appear. I love the pirouette. I think that's what puts me in mind sometimes of the maestro. Um, when we're looking at the team then, and yeah, we have been critical after the Livingston game. Well, you're going to be, aren't you? You've just been beaten from the bottom of the table side um, who had one point on the board, uh, putting your, your kind of league campaign at this early stage in doubt uh, already. Yeah, no one wins the league, but we've heard all the cliches. No one wins the league in September. But you can certainly hinder your chances if you're going to only win half your games. But when you're looking at that, and I know it doesn't always work like this, Laura, but Jota looked very, very good tonight. We've seen Abada looking very good since he's came to the club. Kyogo has been electrifying at times. There's moments when Rogic looks unplayable with his magnetic foot. Turnbull on his game is one of the, the, the most gifted technical players in Scottish football. Behind them, you've then got uh, you know, Callum McGregor who can orchestrate the play. We've got Joe Hart. We've finally found um, someone who can fill the gap at the back. Car- uh, Carter Vickers looks good. Liam Scales looks good. We've got Montgomery. We've got Ralston. Once we get everybody back, how far away do you think we are? How big is the job in January in terms of bringing new players in? Um, I, I actually don't know that we're struggling as much for numbers as we might have thought we were, especially once we get injuries um, off the table. I, I think, you know, we've never at any point this season been able to play our fully, full strength best 11. And I get that that's part of football and you have to put up with that from time to time, but... I do think we've got enough players. You listed them in, in the WhatsApp group a few days ago. We've got enough players that have still to come back that I think we um, have a lot to be optimistic about. As I've said numerous times before, I totally believe in what Ange's doing. I'm totally willing to back him and I think he can provide the kind of football that, that Celtic fans crave um, and, and be the entertaining manager and the entertaining football um, sort of sort of guru if you like that we that we want going forward Brian uh, on on the podcast said a number of weeks ago that he thought we would um, come up against a few bloody noses uh, throughout the season and I think that's proven to be the case I think we play a risky brand of football and that isn't always going to pay off for us but I I'm seeing more positives than I am negatives at the moment on the pitch and I think uh, I think yeah with with the, the players that have still to come back once they're back, I think we'll be in a relatively strong position. I would still like to see perhaps another striker in just because mm. we really only have three out-and-out strikers, one of which kind of isn't always on his game. 
and um, and one who we've yet to see anything from, so we don't really know how to judge it. But I think, you know, in any good squad, you need three, at least three or four good strikers that you can choose from. So that's the only position I really feel we need to strengthen in that and that and left back, really. Apart from that, I think everywhere else we've got some really good options and, and I definitely feel more positive about it from the point of view of the squad uh, than I did, you know, three or four months ago. Yeah, I think when we were looking at the figures, you know, um, after the the game in Betis, it was a, a case of the fact, I think we're about three first-team players down compared mm-hmm. to the squad size last season. Um, so if one of them is a striker, one of them's a left-back, uh, I would also expect in January for a couple of players to be offloaded. You know, I would be looking, potentially, if, if Ewan Henderson's not going to get game time, Laura, then get him out on loan. Um, yeah. Get the boy a move, get him playing football. At that stage of his career, he needs to be playing or he'll stagnate. Um, at left back, I think we'll probably still be looking to offload ball and golly. Uh, I know he made a surprise appearance against Livingston. Barkas has no future at Celtic, so it looks as though we'll be offloading him. And then it begs the question, you know, if we only bring in uh, another two, then it, a few injuries and we could be threadbare. Uh, I don't see us having such an injury crisis, um, but COVID is still in the air, isn't it? And you just never know when you're going to have an outbreak and, and continue to have half a dozen players out and that causes you problems. You were talking about strikers there and I totally agree with you. I think that we are short up top. Um, Hugh Tennant, 1863, comes in and he is saying Clamalla and Bio signed for similar money. Yeah, absolutely. I think Clamalla was... Three million plus. Bio was about two and a half. Same as the new Sammy. Um, how's he not fit? I'm not quite there yet. I think we've, we've been faced with a scenario with Yakumakis where you've been offered a player who, by all accounts, according to Anthony Joseph, who is a very well respected Sky Sports broadcaster and journalist, and um, I like him a lot. And, you know, he's, he doesn't sensationalize anything, but by all accounts, had his side not been relegated. They were looking for 10 million euros for for this player. Um, They were relegated and they've offloaded him. I know that some people have said that a lot of his goals were from the penalty spot. Um, If he knows his way to go and he's never going to be the first choice when you look at the start Kyogo's made, then I, I really don't have any concerns at this moment in time, the fact that he wasn't used tonight. It could well just be, you know, that Ange Postacoglu wanted to get minutes into the legs of other players. Um, he wants, uh, you know, at this stage to have a look at, at Beaton in a midfield position or Liam Scales at left back. I'm not too concerned that we didn't see Yakamakis, other than the selfish aspect of the fact that I wanted to see him. Yeah, I totally agree with that. It was just like, kind of, as I said at the at the start of the post-match coverage, it was more of a selfish thing of I'm keen to see him, I'm eager to see what he can offer, but, you know, if if we have to wait a little bit longer, I'm more than willing to do that. I still don't understand from Andrew's point of view why this wasn't a, an ideal opportunity to do it, but I don't think that we can write him off as a flop before we've even seen him. You know, I think he, I think he's been bought for a reason and I think he can offer us something... Uh, if if the gold record in the Eredivisie is anything to go by. Because the other thing you have to remember is it's easy to score that number of goals in a team that's challenging for Europe or a team that's challenging for the top of the league. If you can do that in a team that ends up getting relegated, then then you're you're 
conversion rate to chances must be high because you're not going to be getting a lot of chances either. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think I think there's plenty to be excited about from him. If we have to wait a little bit longer, then so be it. But the fact that he was even on the bench tonight is encouraging because it means that he's not far away when, you know, we were talking at the start of the week that he might be as many as three weeks away from full fitness. So, you know, we're already a step ahead just having him on the bench from where we were. Um, but before I come back to you, I've just seen the, the League Cup draw. So we've got uh, Rangers are playing Hibs and Celtic are playing St Johnston. So those ties are both being played at Hamden Park and they're being played on the weekend of November 20th and 21st with a final to be played by the winner of those on the 19th of December. There you go. I mean, I, I think I was looking at the, the three potential uh, fixtures that we, that we could have had there and the way Celtic have been playing, none of them are particularly easy. Uh, we're coming up against a, a side who unbelievable performance last season. Um, anyone with two eyes in their head knew that that uh, their gaffer was the manager of the year. Um, doing what he did with that budget and for a such an unfashionable side as St. John's. Now, don't get massive crowds and uh, that kind of holds them back to the point where they can't really progress a great deal, Laura, because, you know, Perth, um, you know, this is the thing. I always wonder about St. Johnston because I see them in terms of a, a similar size, coming from a similar size of city with a similar population as Dunfermline. And you think, well, look at Dunfermline compared to St. Johnston. And it's a, it's a period... Um, of quite a few years of sustainability and, uh, you know, just doing enough to make sure that a kind of mid-table side had done so, so well under Tommy Wright. And I think that since Davidson's come in, they've been such a a, a difficult side to beat. Um, and they've done so well last season, I think this season as well. Even, you know, watching them in, in Europe, I wanted them to progress. I thought they'd done so well against Galatasaray. Um, and... Yeah, it's not going to be an easy game. They know how to win a cup tie, that's for sure. So it's a tough one and we look forward to it. We will also cover it, of course, on a Celtic state of mind. We'll be covering the game on Sunday against Dundee United and then the following Thursday, um, our next Europa League tie at home against Leverkusen. So loads to look forward to. And when we're looking at the the, the fact that uh, we've been regularly over a thousand live tonight on the post match Laura. It's been a busy it's been a busy old night. And uh, I've been pretty happy with the performance and the outcome. And I've got to thank everybody for getting involved because we never take it for granted when people tune into a Celtic state of mind. It's quite incredible at times when you consider how many people watch the show. So thank you very much for doing that. Um, we want you to subscribe. We want you to follow us on the social media, but subscribe on uh, YouTube. What we're doing is we're selling some merchandise on the website, axum.net, uh, to finance what we're doing. We've got a studio here, and obviously um, we are going out every single day. The minute you buy something or register on the site, you are part of the Axum cult, I'm afraid, because then I've got your email address, and I will be inviting you to all sorts of um, Axum bulletins, uh, behind-the-scenes bulletins, etc., that you can get involved in as well. So get involved, subscribe to us, let us know what you think. I've been receiving some really nice emails um, at pauljohndykes at gmail.com, so feel free to send us your thoughts 
uh, on that as well. Uh, I will get back to you. Sometimes it takes me a wee while uh, when there's a deluge, but I definitely will get back to you. Just to uh, just to jump in there, as well. Paul, as well, um, for anybody who doesn't understand how YouTube works, the, the word subscription suggests, you know, a charge of some description, but subscription is just the word that they use on YouTube for you know, following the channel. So if you press that red subscription button, you're not getting charged any money. You're merely signing up so that you get that little notification on your phone or you get an email to say uh, that we've gone live or another uh, video has gone up in the channel. So it's not any anything finan- financially binding for you. It's just something to let you know when we go live. And obviously subscribing helps helps us get up to that to those milestones in terms of uh, people subscribing to the channel that we like to get to so just wanted to clear that up because I know that some people think subscription equals money and it definitely does not in this case No, absolutely never asked for any finances other than a charity weekend or back in December that you were involved in Laura there will be more charity endeavours leading up to the end of this year so yeah free subscription and you'll be in line for loads of prizes, music and Celtic related and we'll also get in touch with you with various other offers um, that you might be interested in so yes, we um, are through to the semi-finals of the first trophy of the season, we'll be facing St Johnston, it'll be a tough one but we look forward to that, all that's left for me to say is thank you to every single one of you for getting involved um, on the comment section tonight and thank you to Laura Bradburn I got your name right this time for joining me on a Celtic State of Mind and data rates may apply. Guys, got hair loss? I know what you're thinking. Should I shave my head, comb it over, wear a hat? Just stop. This is in 1970. Keep your hair and your confidence because Bosley, America's number one hair restoration experts, can give you your real hair back permanently. Check them out today because they're giving away an absolutely free information kit and a free gift card to anyone that texts EASY to 203203. Dude, you don't have to look like your dad because this isn't your dad's hair loss treatment. People all over the country trust Bosley because they're ahead of the curve. They use the latest technology to give you your real hair back. And the best part? Bosley's permanent solution is protected by the Bosley Guarantee. Let Bosley show you for free how awesome your hair could look with an absolutely free information kit and a gift card for $250 off. Text EASY to 203203. That's B-A-S-Y to 203203. It's this week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. 
House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Network.